This is Anthems. Hello, my name is Lauren Mann, broadcaster, proud founder of Girl vs Cancer and a general gobshite on the internet. In these unprecedented and uncertain times we have been worrying about, or as I go as far as to say, torturing ourselves about the future, about our new normal. Having had to live through a new normal of my own in recent years, I see myself as a little bit of a pro when it comes to managing these mixed up emotions and have found that in times of sheer what the actual fuckness, I focus on the things I have power over rather than the things that I don't. For my anthems piece, I wanted to talk around the word future and share how my lived experiences have encouraged me to walk the talk and do the damn thing in a bid to create a society I want to and need to see. Your word of the day is future. What would the world look like in 2030 if driven by women, for example? Aside from free tampons and childcare for all, woohoo! So let us start in the past, back in 2016, the year that shaped my entire future. In 2016, I was your average 31-year-old woman in the big smoke. I'd recently flown my parents' nest and moved in with friends. I was in my first ever managerial role in the world of social media, and I liked to party. I partied a lot. Life was fun, it was easy, it was mine for the taking. So on the 31st of August 2016, when following a biopsy, a doctor uttered the words, I'm sorry, it's not good news, it's cancer. I was sure that they were having a fucking laugh. Firstly, I'd never been a big fan of my boobs, if you can even call them that. To me, they were more of a nod to a boob, a goodwill gesture. I mean, how can I have breast cancer when I don't have any bastard tits? Secondly, wasn't cancer an elderly issue? I was 31, far too young and full of fun to be dealing with this kind of real-world shit. But I did. I had breast cancer. An aggressive 2.8 centimetre grade 3 cancerous lump had set up residence in my right chesticle, without consent and was intent on trying to kill me. And, as you would expect, it sent my life as I knew it into a complete tailspin. Now, I'm not the kind of woman who takes things lying down. <laughs> I went in search of some reassurance and companionship. I wanted to find women like me, women who were living their best single lives, women who enjoyed evenings at gigs, cider and poor, women who wore bold lipstick and had a mouthful of swears, women who have an unhealthy obsession with Ray Winston and are partial to a fillet of fish. Essentially, women at my life stage that I could relate to, like-minded women who would stare down cancer and giving it a two-finger salute, like-minded women that I could turn to for advice and encouragement, women I could look at and think, yeah, if they can do it, then so can I. Unfortunately, all I found were cold clinical materials and doomsaying online forums filled with women at a much more advanced life stage than me. It didn't speak to me, not in the slightest, not at all. The thing in this life is that you can't be what you can't see and I couldn't see women to empower me to grab my diagnosis by the boob, so to speak. So as with most things worth creating, I decided that if I needed it, then I had to become it myself. Two weeks before chemo, I began sharing the nuances of my cancer treatment under the hashtag Girl vs Cancer on Instagram, a space for me to share what cancer really looks like for a woman in her 30s. No performative positivity, no pink fluffy shit, instead pure and raw vulnerability wrapped up in an editorial cloak, shifting the perception of this rather dastardly disease into the realms of authenticity and accessibility. In the hope, in doing so, that any future Laurens diagnosed would have somewhere to turn for a shoulder should the unthinkable happen. 
I also wanted to challenge the cancer taboo by encouraging my peers to take responsibility for their bodies, not abusing them. To know their limbs like they know the lyrics to Drake's hotline bling, because if it could happen to me, it could happen to anyone. Since then, what began as an emotional outlet, girlvscancer.co.uk has grown into a fully-fledged social media community, raising over £77,000 for cancer charities. Turns out the need was there not just for me, but for thousands of others too. My approach to giving malignant cells their marching orders also led me to be part of the multi-award winning BBC Five Live podcast, You, Me and the Big C, that is changing the dialogue around this disease, big style. I'm mad proud of the work Girl vs Cancer and the podcast continues to do, but there is so, so much more to be done. It is estimated that there will be 27.5 million new cases of cancer diagnosed across the globe by 2040. That's one in two people being diagnosed in their lifetime in the UK alone. That means, if not you, it will most definitely be someone that you love. When the Rona struck our shores in March of last year, it rapidly asserted itself as the big C on everyone's lips. And rightly so. However, almost a year on, and with a mammoth backlog of 40,000 cancer cases, according to Cancer Research, I think it's time we brought the focus back to one of the most overlooked demographics during the pandemic, the cancer community. And as we are well aware, these cancers will not care about gender, race, age or sexual preference. Yet still, despite all of the societal issues 2020 forced the human collective to confront, there still seems to be a one-size-fits-all approach to cancer representation, treatment and care. People are falling through the fatal cracks in our healthcare system. And these people are majority marginalised groups. So let's be clear. If me as a Western, white, cisgender, heterosexual woman struggled to see myself in cancer world because I was in the minority category of young, what chance does a black trans person have then, eh? The answer you're searching for, friends, is fuck all. Therefore, it is vital that all cancer experiences are represented, both to empower and to inform, ultimately to save lives. Now, let me break this down again. Research has shown that one in seven LGBTQ plus people avoid healthcare for fear of discrimination. Yet studies have shown transgender women are 47 times more likely to develop breast cancer than cis men. But where are their stories? You can't be what you can't see. According to the US Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, black females are 40% more likely to die from breast cancer than white females. But where are their stories? You can't be what you can't see. Macmillan cites that South Asian women are nearly twice as likely to be depressed after a cancer diagnosis than white women. Why is that? Where are their stories? How can they find support when they cannot be what they cannot see? A dear friend of mine, Jack, sadly died from his cancer in 2019, at just 22 years old. He used to talk to me about the concept of survivor's obligation, that having been through something so harrowing, it was our duty to live our lives to the fullest and to help others but I'm going to reframe this as human obligation. That it is all of our responsibility to help amplify the voices of those who struggle to be heard. To know our privilege and to use our platforms and influence to support those who rely on us passing the mic. And so my hope for the future is simple. It is that anyone diagnosed with cancer will find the information and support they so desperately need to stand in their power, to stand fucking strong. My hope for the future is that when it comes to cancer, every single experience is seen. Every age, every ethnicity, every gender alignment, every single person. Because if we can see it, then we sure as hell can beat it. Future. Definition. Noun. 
a period of time following the moment of speaking or writing, time regarded as still to come. <laughs>